the UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh! Welcome, UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast. I'm your host, Chris McKee, with the Sweet 16 edition. We're going to bend a little from the mid-major format. Of course, we will start with that. I'm going to break down every game, give my predictions, give a little bit of information. We got audio from some of today's press conferences, some of the head coaches and players, as well as, of course, from some of the post-game reaction. And that's so we're going to play that at the end of every segment we're going to do here. So first things first, I want to start off with the games happening on Saturday. Number eight, Loyola Chicago versus number 12, Oregon State. Of course, Loyola Chicago, 25-4, and the Missouri Valley Conference champs with Oregon State, 19-12, and with a surprising run to win the Pac-12 championships after a mediocre season. So I want to run through some of the stats on this. Loyola Chicago, the number one scoring defense in the country. Nobody allows fewer points than Loyola Chicago, 55.8 points per game. Oregon's defense, number 111. So Loyola also number one in field goal percentage in the country. That's mainly due to the success of Cameron Krutwig, the big man. Oregon State, 197 in field goals. In free throws, Oregon State, a little bit of an edge, 31st in the country at 76.4%. With Loyola, 136. You got Cameron Krutwig, the big man I mentioned, 15 points per game, seven rebounds, three assists. Oregon State is led by Ethan Thompson, He's a guard who averages 15.6 points per game along with 3.8 assists. I mean, Loyola Chicago is a six and a half point favorite going in, but I'm kind of leaning towards Oregon in the points. I'm not saying Loyola Chicago isn't going to win. I just like the points. You know, when we get to Sweet 16, uh, game's going to be a lot closer. So for now, I mean, hopefully this line can change over the next day or two. But as of right now, I'll take the six and a half from Oregon State and roll with it from there. So here's Loyola Chicago star guard Lucas Williamson says that Loyola Chicago now getting a little bit more respect after their recent runs in the tournament. Um, I'd say that you 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 would have to respect this program because, you know, going into the last time we were in the tournament, like you said, nobody really know, knew who Loyola was. But, you know, we made it all the way to the Final Four. And now we're back in the tournament, and now we're, we're having success in the tournament. So, I mean, I think you do have to respect the fact that, you know, the two times that we've been in the tournament, we've made it. We've made a run. So not only are the Ramblers getting a little bit more respect, as you heard there from Lucas Williamson, Porter Moser, the head coach, says, you know, it's been a little easier getting talent to commit to Loyal Chicago over the past couple of years since their run to the Final Four back in 2018. I think there's more good players. There's more good players. I remember, you know, like you said, 30 years ago when I got into it in Texas, you know, for instance, you know, like when I was at Texas A&M recruiting Texas, now you look at it, there's like, so many five-star players, but I think across the board, kids are getting better. They're, they're doing more improvement at a young age, skill development at a young age. You're getting bigger, stronger. So I think there's a bigger number of it. Um, and I think the, I think there's just, you know, kids de getting developed and, and, you know, being old, 
you know, having programs that have uh, kids in the program two, three, four years that they develop and learn a system get better. And I just think that's an issue, too, with this transfer stuff, is that you get time to get to know the system, get time to know, you know, to get part of a system. And, um, you know, I think you're seeing teams that are, that are building, that are year in and year out with some kids in the program are getting better. Um, and I think that's, that's a big part, too. Another one of the issues with the entire tournament taking place in the Indianapolis area, a lot of these kids been cooped up in the same hotel for weeks and weeks on end and not being around friends and family and, you know, regular student life that may help ground them in between. But, you know, kind of stuck in that bubble and Porter Moser talked about just the mental state of his players and kind of what they're doing to get through this challenging time and trying to have some fun along the way. No question you'd rather have that. I mean, we beat Tennessee and we came back to a huge parade, the streets and the police escorts in Chicago was great. But you can't complain. And this is why. you got to look at it and be grateful we're having it. How about some of the teams last year that were on their way or had got the tournament bids and couldn't be here? So you got to look at it half full. So, yes, we have to stay here. But, man, we're, we're, we're enjoying the moment. We're enjoying each other. We're enjoying the competition, the, the ability to advance. So I just think it's such a, a key lesson in mindset that you learned this year is focus on what's good. Focus on what is, is, is the positives. Yes, we'd rather go back home and spend with our family, but we're here. We're here. We're advancing. We're in the Sweet 16. We're with a group of guys we love. And uh, to me, those are things you got to be grateful for and have your mind filled with those kind of thoughts. We also have some comments from Oregon State head coach Wayne Tinkle. He also talked a little bit about his players' mental health and preparing for this upcoming challenge against Loyola Chicago. Yeah, we're, we're pretty limited on, on what we can do. Obviously, we, we can't go out and roam around. Uh, we have had a couple of hours at Victory Field where the guys can get out, throw the football around, um, play a little pickleball, that sort of thing. That's been really good. Um, I think there was some criticism by some people Maybe that you know our guys shouldn't be doing that, but um, they don't can't imagine what it's like to just be in a hotel room, you know. And uh, we we let them out um, the day before the Tennessee game. Obviously, didn't have too much of a negative impact. Uh, same before the Oklahoma State game. But we've got to we've got to let these guys be kids, you know. Let them enjoy this. Um, it's unlike any other year. Obviously, they don't have time after the games to go spend with their families. Um, so we've got to keep them fresh, and, um, and, and what you said is, is vitally important in a good mental state. You know, there's been so much placed, so much burden placed on them in the last year, everybody, of course, but, um, you know, for these student-athletes, the grind uh, has been a tough one. T today we're going to get to get out to Top Golf, play a little Happy Gilmore, so uh, that's going to be fun. You know, we've, we've tried to do some little, little things, you know, on the court uh, before or after practices just to keep it loose. But our guys are in a good state right now, um, you know, and they're a confident group. And we just we want to keep their minds freed up and not put any too much stress on them and just go play basketball. So, again, yeah, six and a half points the line right now. I like Oregon State plus the points. But perhaps maybe Loyola squeaks this out close, three, four points. But um, I mean, just the way Oregon State's playing of late, I, I mean, you know, you got to think all the money's going to go on Loyola Chicago. So I'm going to roll with uh, Oregon State, the Beavers, on that one. So another game coming up Saturday, another mid-major involved. That's why we're starting with it. Oral Roberts, the 15 seed, is going to face number three Arkansas. Oral Roberts, the Summit League champs, coming in at 18 and 15. And Arkansas out of the SEC at 23 and 6. 
So in the entire country, Arkansas has the number seven offense in points per game. There's you know 82 points per game, number seven in the country. Oral Roberts, however, number 12, not far behind, 81.5 points per game. As far as defense, Oral Roberts, a little challenging. You know, the 291 in the country, they allow 75.7 points per game. Arkansas, not exactly outstanding. They're number 186 in the country, just allowing 70.4 points per game. One area where Oral Roberts does have the edge, they are the number one free throw shooters in the country. Nobody hits more free throws than them, which, you know, when it comes to a tight game, that is an important stat to look at. You know, once we get to the fouls and in the bonus and that, can they hit those free throws? Well, Oral Roberts can. Arkansas at number 78 in the country. And Arkansas also number 13 in blocks. You know, you got Max Asmus, leading scorer in the country for Oral Roberts. Also, Kevin O'Banner is playing lights out right now. The two of them, it's the highest scoring duo in all of college basketball. Arkansas, though, has got guys, man. You know, they got length. I mean, you can kind of go through the numbers. They do have the edge in quite a few categories aside from, you know, the free throws there where Oral Roberts has got it. But this is an 11-point spread. And so, I mean, Arkansas, I think, is going to win the game. I just think it's a six- or seven-point game. So take Oral Roberts, the underdogs, plus the 11 points right now. I kind of like that one a lot. Also coming up Saturday, number one seeded Baylor versus number five Villanova. Baylor, of course, the Big 12 regular season champs, 22-2. and two. Villanova 18 and 6 out of the Big East. You got Jay Wright, their head coach, who has two national championships under his belt. Baylor's head coach, Scott Drew, with none. So a little bit of a coaching edge, of course. Baylor, number four in points scored in the country, 83.8 points per game. Nova, number 71, just over 66 points per game. Baylor 15th in field goal percentage. Nova's 31st in free throws. Baylor is 210. So I talked about in key games like this, I, I always take a look at the free throws. But Baylor also number seven in steals. I mean, they've got the trio of guards. They are as good a team as there is in the country. I have Baylor winning my entire bracket right now. They're seven-point favorites in this one. And uh, I think I'm going to roll with Baylor in the points. Also got some comments from Jay Wright, who was asked about what it's like being an underdog for the first time in quite a while in March Madness. <laughs> I, You know what? You, you don't think about it that much, Mike, but it's um, there's definitely definitely less pressure on uh, the coaching staff, but I, I don't think the players think of themselves as underdogs, you know, um, which is, is a good thing. And sometimes that's, that's uh, something you have to – to battle uh, when they're not underdogs. But the good thing about coaching young people at 18 to 22, I, I don't really think that they think they're underdogs that often. But as coaches, you definitely know you are. We also have Baylor head coach Scott Drew with some comments who was asked about his impressive trio of guards and you know his thoughts heading into the matchup with Villanova. Well, similar to uh, uh, the Villanova guards that they, they've had, uh, uh, guys that really work hard, uh, they're team-oriented guys. They have a great chemistry and love for each other. You can see that on the floor. They're trying to make plays for each other instead of trying to, to get theirs. Uh, and then iron sharpens iron. Each day in practice, we get better because we compete against each other. And uh, uh, that's in college, you practice more than you play. So if you can get better in practice, that's really a big advantage. Um, but but these three, uh, high character, great students, great work ethic, um, guys that weren't uh, uh, McDonald's All-American, 
Americans, but guys that uh, just got better each and every day and love to get better each and every day. So it's a joy and pleasure to coach uh, uh, guys like this. I mean, this is one of those games. I mean, I hate going against Jay Wright because, I mean, the guy's as good a coach as you will find. I had the chance to be around Jay for a weekend when I was covering March Madness a couple of years ago uh, down in Buffalo. And just to see how he just how he carries himself, you know, win or lose, you didn't see the change of expression on him, not a beat of sweat. You know, a lot of coaches not used to the spotlight in these press conferences. And, you know, Jay had his own media scrum. He had he would do the main national press conference, which I would take part of, and then kind of followed him over. He had a separate scrum of reporters just for the Philadelphia media and the Pennsylvania media, which was, you know, another 12, 15 reporters deep following him everywhere he went. And one thing that just blew my mind with Jay is like, you know, there's probably about 12, 15 reporters, both men and women, all in this scrum. And he knew every single one by name. They'd ask a question and he'd say, well, you know, Bob, uh, this is what I think. Or, you know, hey, well, you know, Sherry, uh, this is what I think. And I was just so impressed that this guy is such a CEO, you know, $3,000 suits on him. He was just so well put together. And someone that you're like, hey, man, this guy, if this guy walked into my living room asking for my son's signature, there's no way you're going to say no. But you also got to respect what Scott Drew's done at Baylor, you know, from the scrap heaps in this program, you got, you know, going back to what the early 2000s, you had one player, one Baylor player murdering another Baylor player. So, you know, they kind of just deaded the entire program. They were as bad a team as there was in the country. And Scott Drew has built them up. They're a number one seed. And I mean, between them and Gonzaga, the favorite to win March Madness. So, I mean, it is tough to go against Jay Wright. And I do admire and respect him, but uh, I just think Baylor's talent this year too good. So Baylor Bears minus seven, take it. Also the last game, this is a game I don't even really want to touch. I will not touch with my own money, but Houston, six-point favorites over Syracuse. Houston, the number two seed. Syracuse, number 11. Houston, 26-3 and three out of the American Conference. Syracuse, 16-9 and nine out of the ACC, of course. Houston's best player, Quentin Grimes, averaging 18.1 points per game. He's a kid who transferred out of Kansas and then moved over to Houston has found some new life under Calvin Sampson. And then, of course, Syracuse buddy Bayheim leads the Orange with 18 points a game. Houston has the number two scoring defense in the country, just behind Loyola Chicago. They only allow 57.9 points per game. The Q's... 186 in defense, 70.4 points per game. Q's got the edge in free throws. That's about it. 15th in the country. Houston, number 73 in the country. But if you go through most of the stats, Houston has got the edge in all of it. They're longer, more athletic. I mean, I you know, again, you hate going against Jim Beheim and coaching, but it's... I, I, I'm struggling to see if I actually am going to put some cash on this one, but definitely for my picks, I like Houston minus six. I think they should get by Syracuse pretty easily, but, um, you know, again, hate, hate betting against Jim Beheim, but uh, I think this is just one of those years for Houston. So that's your wrap-up for the Sweet 16 games happening on Saturday. Here are the matchups for Sunday with predictions, and I got some audio and stuff as well. So Gonzaga, number one, of course, 26-0, will face number five, Creighton. The line is set at 13.5 right now. Creighton, 20-8 out of the Big East. So when you talk about their top 25 matchups, Gonzaga 4-0 versus top 25 teams. Now, most of those games took place the first two weeks of the season when they were playing, you know, a pretty good Auburn team, Kansas. Uh, who else did they play early? Iowa. Um, and then I, you know, BYU ranked, but they ran over them comfortably three different times all throughout the season. But Creighton 3-2 and two versus top 25 teams. 
Gonzaga, the number one offense in the country. Nobody scores more points than them. Creighton, not bad, number 62 in the country. The Zags, number one in field goals, number three in assists. Creighton, not far behind, 37th in field goals, 36th in assists. Um, their leading scorer is Marcus Zigarowski on Creighton. He averages 15.7 points per game. The Zags have like a nine-headed dragon. I mean, if it's not Jalen Suggs, it's Corey Kispert, it's Drew Tammy, it's Joel Ayai, it's Andrew Namhart, you know, Watson, Cook. I mean, they're just so deep, so many guys. But here's Marcus Zigarowski, Creighton's top player, talking about how he's ready for Gonzaga. You know, it's, it's a phenomenal feeling. You know, we work, this is a two-year kind of thing for us, you know, we got to take it away from us last year. And then, you know, everything we've been through this year is for, for moments like this. And I'm happy we capitalized and came through. And But, you know, we're not done yet. You know, this is just a start. And, you know, we look forward to our next matchup with Gonzaga. Also have some comments from the Zags' Drew Timmy, who I, you know, I get a vote. I'm a member of the United States Basketball Writers Association, so I get to vote on the All-Americans and Player of the Year. I had Drew Timmy as my Player of the Year. I thought what he did for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I mean, Jalen Suggs is technically the best player on that team. But um, Timmy, I just love his game. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I wrote an article on undraftedfreeagent.com. I called him, you know, the latest incarnation of Christian Leitner. He is a clone of Christian Leitner, for those of us old, old enough to remember the Duke legend. And I'm not talking about Christian Leitner in the NBA. I'm talking about Christian Leitner at Duke, who could be regarded as the greatest college basketball player ever. It's not certainly in the top five. But um, Drew Timmy has a similar talent range. Now, Drew, only a sophomore. So if Drew stuck around for another year or two the way Leitner did, I, I would imagine he would be held in that same regard. But I've got Drew probably mid to late first round pick. Love his game. And uh, he says the Zags still have some business left to achieve. Here's his comments right now. I mean, it's great. It's obviously a childhood dream, but... Uh... We're only gonna. This feeling is only gonna last, you know, the rest of the night, and then we gotta prepare and a lot of work to do. You know, we got a lot of things we can work on, and um, we're not satisfied with this. This is not the end goal, and um, we're excited for the next challenge that presents itself. So, as far as the betting line on this one, 13 and a half. I mean, Gonzaga has a run of what 25, 26, 27 games where they've beaten their opponents by 10 or more points. I just think I like some of the numbers on Creighton analytically. When you scroll through everything, they. I mean, obviously the Zags are ahead in, in just about every category like they are with every team they face. But at some point in time, you know, they're just going to get out to a slow start. Something's going to happen. And, I mean, I don't know if Creighton can beat them, but they certainly can cover the 13.5 points. So I'm going to roll with that. I think, you know, if the Zags do win, maybe it's an 8-9 point game. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is a Sweet 16 matchup. It's rare you run, you run over teams by, you know, 15, 20, 30 points. So, Take the Blue Jays in the 13 and a half, but I think the Zags still get through. So coming up, one of the other games that I do really like, number one, Michigan versus number four, Florida State. The Wolverines, two and a half point favorites. Pretty close game. Obviously, Michigan, 20 and four out of the Big Ten. And Florida State, 17 and six out of the ACC. One stat that I do like about Florida State, they're three and zero versus top 25 teams this year. So when they play good teams, they play well, and they usually beat them. Michigan, however, six and three. But obviously, you know, in the Big Ten, you're going to face top 25 teams, you know, two, three times a week sometimes. So if you're winning more often than not, uh, that's going to get you number one seed, and that's what happened. But um, Florida State star player MJ Walker is a guard averaging just 12.3 points per game, which says the Seminoles kind of spread it around. They play good defense. They don't have that one guy you worry about that can take over a game. You know, 
Walker, just 12.3 points per game. You, you want In the NCAA tournament, you want to have that one guy who's 20-plus points. So when all else breaks down, you can just kind of rely on him. Uh, Michigan's got a couple of those guys. Hunter Dickinson averaging 14.2 points per game. We like the big guy Wagner. I love the transfer Mike Smith from Columbia, the little guy. They got so many guys who can kind of come at you. But um, I really do like Michigan in this game. So roll with the Wolverines minus two and a half. And this is one of the games I am going to put some dough on. Uh, I like the Wolverines big time in this one. Also on Sunday, look, I know this is this is a mid-major podcast, but I'm not just going to sit and talk about the mid-major teams. This is March Madness. You know, we're talking Sweet 16. So, hey, we do have some mid-major teams in here, but I do actually watch all games. I actually do watch more mid-major college basketball games when I can, but certainly just as far as TV access and things like that going on, of course I watch Michigan and Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina all season long. And, of course... Number two, Alabama. My buddy Nate Oates got to know Nate pretty well when he was a head coach at the University of Buffalo. Interviewed him a number of times and had some good chats with him. Even off-the-record conversations we had just talking about life and stuff like that. So always a big supporter of Alabama. They're 25-6, and six, the SEC champs going up against number 11-seeded UCLA, who by all accounts shouldn't be here right now. 18-9 out of the Pac-12. One stat I don't like about Alabama this year, just 1-3 versus the top 25. Whereas the Bruins won in one versus top 25 teams. You got UCLA star player Johnny Juzang, who's been unbelievable in the tournament so far. 14.5 points per game all season. This kid's a Kentucky transfer, now out at UCLA under Mick Cronin. And Bama's star player Jaden Shackelford, 14.3 points per game. I actually know a couple of the kids on Alabama as well. Josh Primo is a kid from Ontario, and I called a couple of his high school games before he transferred down and played in the U.S. for his last couple of years. So also called him at the BioSteel Futures game, as well as a whole bunch of other superstars playing now in March Madness. Keon Ambrose, another kid on Alabama, doesn't play that much this year, whereas Josh Primo, pretty uh, pretty active player in Nate Oates' rotation. But um, great to see the growth of him. It's funny, you know, I called Josh's games when he was in, what, grade 10, and he was a good little player, very... Very slight frame, small kid. You know, you could see he play, He could play. He had a handle, could shoot, but um, grew quite a bit during his junior and senior year. And uh, also his shooting just improved. So, I mean, I, when I saw Josh, you know, was a grade 10 or, you know, whatever, that would be a high school sophomore for you Americans. We don't say that up here in Canada. For those that don't know, I'm in the Toronto area, so um, I may use a few Canadian sayings and pronunciations. I know the Gonzaga people give me crap because I don't say Gonzaga. We don't say that. I'm, we say Gonzaga. I'm Canadian. We also say Nevada and Rihanna. I don't say Rihanna or Nevada, so please uh, forgive my Canadian accent on a few quotes, but um, also got some good in insight on some of the Canadian kids. So here's some audio from Alabama head coach Nate Oates after the win to get them in the Sweet 16. Just talked about how happy he is to be in the Sweet 16 and, and how he sourced some information from Rick Pitino after the loss try and help him get through this next round. Really happy for our guys. It's been a long time since they've played in the Sweet 16 years, so these guys have really bought into playing the right way. You know, and I think, you know, defensively we've been one of the top five teams in the country, uh, you know, all year. But I, uh, you know, the offense was bound to come. So I just told them after the uh, first game, you know, let's just lose ourselves in the game, lose ourselves in the blue-collar stuff and the defensive stuff. I, uh, I reached out to uh, Coach Patino after the Iona game. I actually talked to him this afternoon. I wanted to get his thoughts on us. He told me the same thing. He said every uh, Louisville-Kentucky team he had, the, the hardest game was the first one. 
you referenced the San Jose State game when they were a 36-point favorite and it was a one-point game at the half. And, you know, he just told his guys they got enough talent that it's going to come, you know, come just focus on defense. I had been what I'd been telling our guys, but I, I told them, Coach Patino said the same thing. I mean, shoot, he's a Hall of Fame coach, won a couple national championships. I think he knows what he's doing. So I, I just said, like, let's do that. You know, you look and Pet, Petty, you know, won the blue collar. Last game, he's playing really hard. He's he's just way too talented to not have a good game here pretty quick. So he led the team plus minus with 19. You know, he had 20 points, shot four nine from three. Shaq had 21, five eight from three. So can't say enough about those guys. You know, Quinterly comes off the bench and has nine assists in the first half. Ends the game with 14 and 11. So you know, a lot of guys stepped up. You know, in the SEC Player of the Year, Herb. Only, uh, you know, has six points and six rebounds in 17 minutes and can't stay out of foul trouble, and we, we're stable, still able to do what we did. So, you know, that just kind of shows what everybody else uh, had going today. So when you go through some of the stats and that, Bama has the edge in most of the analytics and numbers. Um, they're six-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. And I love the Crimson Tide on this one. Roll, Tide, roll. I'm going with Bama minus six-and-a-half. And then lastly, we got number six, USC, 22-7 and seven versus number seven, Oregon, 20-6. and six. And so for my bracket, I have Baylor playing USC in the national championship game. That's how it played out, so I'm looking pretty good on, on my bracket right now. Uh, USC comes in as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, these two played each other back on February 22nd. USC won pretty easily, 72-58. I mean, if you haven't seen them, I, I talked about this quite a bit on my pod earlier this season and you know, wrote a couple articles about Evan Mobley. First week of the season, I put on USC, and literally two minutes into the game, I am like, who the hell is that? And it's Evan Mobley. And I thought he reminded me of a very young Luau Cinder, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's obviously a UCLA legend, but just physically how he looked. Mobley's got that sky hook. I think he is a top three draft pick. I mean, a lot of people talk about Cade Cunningham. I don't get it. I've watched Cade play so much this season. He's a very good college player. I don't think he's a lottery pick. I mean, what did he shoot in the last game? What was he? Was six for 20 in the game they got knocked out? In big moments, he disappears. Whereas in big moments, Evan Mobley is, my goodness, he's out of this world good. I also love Jalen Suggs. For my money, I would go Jalen Suggs, number one overall. Evan Mobley, number two. Now, it all depends what the team's needs is. If the team that has the number one pick needs a you know needs a big man, then you go Mobley. But um, for my money, it's Mobley, Suggs, one, two, and any of this talk about Cade Cunningham or Luca Garza, get out of here. Luca Garza in the NBA is a seven point three points per night, four rebounds, and he's going to play fourteen minutes a night. That's what his ceiling is in the NBA. Whereas Mobley, who's a true freshman, McDonald's All American, you know whatever Player of the Year uh in california and his dad an assistant coach on the team his older brother isaiah on the team and isaiah's growth this season has been unbelievable you watch isaiah at the beginning of the year yeah he's a pretty good player but how good he's gone we all know evan was going to be amazing but how good isaiah's getting his shooting his passing his ball handling for a big man he's so damn good now when you go through some of the stats you know mobley averaging 16.5 points per game 8.8 .8 rebounds you got Chris Duarte, the good Canadian boy. Oregon got a couple Canadian kids. Eugene Omaruyi, another uh, Canadian boy. They had my guy Addison Patterson who tra transferred out, which I know he's got to be sitting watching this going, I don't know if that was the right thing to do because he's at Nevada. And now Steve Alford's being mentioned in a number of coaching jobs out there. And 
anyway, so I go back and listen to one of my other pods. I went into that pretty in depth. But Duarte, 17 points per game. He is playing unfriggin' believable in this tournament. You know, it's hard to go against the Canadians, but um, when you look at some of the analytics, points scored, they're pretty even. UCLA 80th in the country, Oregon 78, so that's a coin flip. Defense, though, UCLA 39th in the country, Oregon 106. The Trojans, number 22 in rebounds, number 5 in blocks. Obviously, you got the Mobley brothers in there. And so I, I really love what's happening with USC right now. I think they have a chance to win it all, certainly to get to the Final Four, and I, I've picked them to be in the final. But, but here's Isaiah Mobley with some comments just on his thoughts of getting through this far into the Sweet 16. Um, definitely. This is what you uh, always always dream for. Um, me and my brother, Evan, had an excellent season. Um, I think I had a pretty solid season as well. And then just to cap it off, what a nice run into the, uh, into the March Madness is, is, is what any kid would dream for, especially one with a brother that plays at such a high level. So take the Trojans, minus two and a half. I got to think this is probably, of all the Sweet 16 games, the best bet. Just because some of those other lines pretty challenging. You know, the 11 in the Arkansas game. And, you know, where do you go with that? And so this one, two and a half. I mean, basically, you know, hey, USC is going to win the game. I really like them to get through, so hit that. So first of all, I also want to thank everyone for subscribing. You know, this past week, we've had more downloads and more listens than since I started this podcast back in November. Now, obviously, I knew when I started in November, I was gearing this towards March, and hopefully the numbers would increase by then. And wow, I, I'm just so overblown. You know, we've got downloads from Brazil, all over the UK, England, Scotland, Ireland, um, you know, where else? Dominican Republic, China, Germany. I, all across the U.S. and Canada and probably about seven or eight other countries that I'm forgetting right now. But thank you so much. Please drop me a line on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Follow the UndraftedFreeAgent.com socials. Trying to build them up so a follow would be appreciated. You can check me out on YouTube as well. Just type in Chris McKee. usually put a bunch of clips up. But uh, for the next couple of weeks, really just kind of focusing on the podcast, the audio. So thanks for listening. I'm going to keep on pumping them out. And of course, enjoy the basketball this weekend. The UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Oh my! with another steal, spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas, electric first step, blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis, he's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three, and there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew, you don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich, they can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh! 